Episode 125 of the Bevan James Isle Show, Lost Connections. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 124, yes, it's 124, of the Bev and James R Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Um, I've, I've, I've got a, a cool, wow, I've got an interesting show today, it's, it's based around a book that I've just read, well, I've just about finished reading, and I'm working really hard to actually get an interview with the author, it's um, a book that I think is very, very important. Um, and I'm going to go to it a little bit later on in the show. But before we do, I just want to share a, a bit of a moment with you. There's, there's a thing in life that's always really important. It's important to stop and enjoy the moment. And last weekend I went up to Auckland and I got to do a release of this thing called Body Attack 100, which is a big thing in my my kind of group fitness world. And I got to be in a room full of... Lots of my friends who have done the same job for me for years and lots of people have done the workouts we've done together and I'm kind of in this workout and I'm just having such a great time and in that moment I allowed myself just to stop and enjoy that moment and it's just a really cool thing. It's just, I'm, I'm glad I gave myself that moment. And it was actually funny because twice in that day I had that experience. So in that class, and it was kind of an obvious one, there was a few hundred people there were teaching, it's a bit of a buzz. Um, and it was also a significant moment in my life, you know, this hundred, you know, with my career at least. Um, and so I was able to just kind of stop, while I'm still kind of exercising, but kind of have a moment where I could absorb what was happening right now. And I think there's a real power to that in life, that when we're doing something that's really good for us, is to just be in it. You know, the, you know um, that flow state, you know, that I interviewed the author of the flow book years ago on this podcast, but um, that kind of idea of flow where you get lost in yourself. And this is a little bit different because it's not like it's a flow as in like there's optimum performance. It's more just being able to suck in the moment of now. And it happened there once in that day, and that was a pretty special moment. But then another cool moment happened during the day as well. I was up in Auckland, I, was, I stayed there on Friday, I worked on, well, I worked Saturday night, and then I left Sunday morning. But on Saturday, I pretty much had all day by myself in my hotel, so I thought, oh, I'll get some work done. And then around lunchtime, I thought I'll go for a run, because I, I love running, and Auckland's quite a pretty place to run. There's some really nice runs around the harbour there. So I headed out on this run. And I'm just running along, listening to some cool music, and suddenly it starts to rain. And the nice thing about the rain in Auckland, particularly at this time of year, is that it's not cold rain. So it's it's really quite warm. I'm not quite sure what the temperature was, but it was really quite warm. And just imagine that you're running along, you're kind of running at a pace that feels slightly uncomfortable, but kind of that nice, you know, you feel good when you're running. And then it just starts to rain. And raining in a way that's, you know, not just a bit of a spit, but kind of a little bit torrential-like. Like, you know, you're, it's just kind of pouring on you like crazy. But at the same time, you're listening to a cool song and you're running along. And I'm just kind of having another one of those moments where I stop and I think, man, I, I really... I love this moment. I really love this moment. And as I'm running along, 
one of the things that seems to be happening in society nowadays, in society, this is kind of a big way of putting it, is that people are putting random pianos in random spots. And the idea is that they're kind of old pianos and are often painted up. And they're in these random spots. And, and as I'm running along towards all the boats by the water there in Auckland, there's this random piano. And I'm probably about 15 minutes into a run that I was planning to do for maybe about 15 minutes. And I see this piano, and I kind of ran past it for a second, and I thought to myself, no, you should stop and play the piano. Like, piano is one of my passions in life, and I spend a lot of time working hard on the piano. And it was one of those moments where I was like, you know what, this run is fun, but I want to stop and play the piano. So I, I pulled over, or I stopped up, I didn't pull over, I just kind of turned around and, and got on the piano. And for the next 15 minutes, I just played the piano. And it's really interesting, I was talking to someone later on in the day about it, because... When we think about those moments where you can just enjoy something, in areas where you're not so skillful, often it's a harder thing to do because you're thinking about your skill so much. And I was talking to a friend of mine later on that night about my piano playing. And piano is the area of my life where it's I'm not as competent in many, you know, it's probably my low skill low competency area um, I work really hard at it and I love it but it is definitely that and often my piano experience is very much an internal dialogue while I'm practicing my piano and I was having a, a talk to someone a few months ago and um, I was talking to a lady called Jackie Mills who's quite a phenomenal woman actually um, and I was just talking to her about piano she plays she's an adult learner and she started playing the piano herself and she knows that I've played for probably you know, I've probably played for six, seven years now. And um, and I told her that I don't really see myself as a musician. And she goes, really? But, you know, she hasn't seen me play, but she says, well, I know how hard you work it. I know, you know, and so on and so on. And one of the reasons I told her that I didn't see myself as a musician yet was that I, as a musician, I'm not often in that place where I get lost in the music when I'm playing it. Often when I'm playing, I'm in the skill of what I'm doing. And, and I'll get these little moments where I just kind of get lost. But it's really a lot of time I'm just kind of developing my skill. And, and ultimately, I see myself as a musician when, A, I can be creative, but B, I can just kind of ultimately just lose myself in the emotion of what I'm experiencing when I'm playing piano. And what was really cool on that day, on, on Saturday, when I'm kind of running in the rain and this kind of warm, beautiful rain with cool music, and I pulled over and jumped on the piano, I, I kind of thought I'm just going to play three songs. And the three songs I've just been working on recently, and 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 it was it was very a cross experience. It was an experience that was kind of two parts. The first part of it was you know kind of where I am, where I normally practice my piano, where I'm thinking about what I'm doing in the song. I'm kind of processing it as I'm doing it. But then the next part of it was I went to that place where I was being a musician, or at least how I determined being a musician in my head, where what I was doing with my fingers and my body and my mind was creatively expressing, expressing an emotion. Um, you know, where I was, the, the thing I was putting out on that piano was an extension of me. And... In that moment when I'm doing that, I had another one of those moments that I had on stage at night and when I was running where I was like, man, this is a really cool place for me in my life right now. Like here I am on a Saturday afternoon in Auckland, it's pouring with rain, I've got this piano I'm playing and the piano was sheltered so it wasn't raining on me when I was playing the piano and I'm going to the place where I ultimately want to be as a musician where I'm just expressing through music. And... 
I, I think back on that Saturday and, and, you know, like there was just, it was such a cool day for me. And, I, and if there's anything to just share with you for that is that it's really important in life that we have those stop moments to just suck it in. To just be able to, to really enjoy the thing that we're doing right now. You know, just to really love whatever it is, that thing that you're doing. For me, it was loving running in this kind of crazy rain while I was listening to music. It was loving that I, I was being a musician and in the way that I want to be a musician. Like, it's funny, when I practice with a skill, you know, my posture very much stays in the same place. But I noticed that when I was being a musician, I was kind of, I was kind of physically with the piano. My body was moving with the piano and the emotions I was feeling inside was kind of coming out of the piano. And it's, that's where I want to be as a musician. And then as I'm on stage that night teaching to you know, 300 people with, you know, 15 people who I love in my industry around me, and, and I had this moment, I was like, wow, how lucky am I to be this person right now? Often in life we struggle because we're seeing all the things that are hard and all the things we need to improve and all, all the, you know, all the other stuff that we're working on. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to be working on life. But it's also really important in life to, to have these moments, to catch yourself in them. You know, it's really interesting when I work with clients who maybe are too hard on themselves, one of the most powerful tools you can give them is that kind of gratitude diary, you know, write down three things you enjoyed about today. And I actually have recently had a client who's introduced this into their life and it's been really powerful for them because it's allowing them to see that everything's not bad, that actually they have some really cool things in their day that they can celebrate. But probably the next step, and you know, and you know, if you look at depression reading, like I know Martin Seligman talks a lot about. He's the he's the guy who's really into positive psychology. He talks a lot about the gratitude diary and how it's actually proven to help with depression. But but it's also you know the gratitude diary is kind of after the moment, isn't it? You know, it's at the end of the day when you reflect upon your day. And you go, actually, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that bit of my day. But if we look a little bit further. You know, the gratitude diary, and, and I do that with my own diary every night, what are my good feelings in my day, but but actually one of the next steps in the process is to catch the moments and allow yourself to suck them up. You know, don't don't dismiss them, don't diminish them, don't lessen what they are. In those moments, own them, enjoy them, get every drip out of them, because you're able to do that, it just makes your life better. Like my Saturday was an amazing day. I had an amazing day because of these moments. And actually some more moments in that day. Um, but I, I suppose if, as I'm talking to you right now, as you're listening to this, you know, first of all, do you, do you never catch your good moments? And maybe a good place to start is that gratitude kind of habit, you know, to stop each day and reflect upon the moments that you've been proud of or, or just give you some thing to be gratitude, to have gratitude about. But then as well as that, is when you're doing the things that give you a good reward, See it, capture it, and own it. I guarantee that if you do this, your life is going to be better. Like, I really do guarantee this. It's it's really that simple. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with you because it's something that I, um, I think is really important. And uh, it's something that, it's a, it's a pretty simple skill that we can all practice. And some people may be even listening to go and saying, I don't know if I have many of those moments. But if you open your eyes to them, maybe you do. And if you don't, maybe your job is to start creating them. Like if you know you love music, 
maybe putting on a cool song and dancing in your lounge and, and seeing that moment is how you do that. Or if you love exercise or if you love being creative in some way, or if you love hanging out with your friends, maybe it's your job to create those in your life. So there's my first kind of sharing thoughts with you today. I'm going to get into the main part of the show real soon, but before I do, I just want to mention a few patrons of the show. Now, the patronage works like this. If you if you really enjoy my work and you want to support me in what I'm doing, what you can do is you can just go to bevanjamesisles.com and within that, uh, you'll see there's a Patreon link and you can go there and you can just basically contribute to the show each time I put a show out um, you can just contribute how much you want and it really does help me do what I am doing and uh, it's just a really big important part of what we do so um, I'm just going to name a few of the patrons now if you do become a patron I do give you a nickname and Paula Green the powerful punisher and then she's actually in Hawaii right now I know this we've got Marion the momentum clat we've got George the wild bull baker we've got Mary I've got the power and Ginger the governor Dave, these are people who support me and what I do, um, and it really does mean a lot because as a fitness professional, if you've listened to my show for a long time, you see, you know I'm doing something different, like you really do, I'm not telling you how to lose weight because you're eating the wrong food, I'm not telling you how to get six pack abs, I, you know, I see my job as in empowering you as a person to help you move towards movement. Really, that's my mission in life. And, um, you know, when we look at, if you go on iTunes right now and you see people who are doing the fitness category, I guarantee 99% of them, well, the majority of them, are probably promoting things that, that you know, aren't this. <laughs> and so if you want to promote the message that I'm doing, well, supporting the show is a really cool way of doing that. And I really do appreciate everyone who is a patron of the show. And on that front, if you do want to support me in other ways, is spread the word. You know, tell your friends, I'm on Spotify, I'm on iTunes, I'm on all the good places. So spread the word and uh, get this, you know, help me spread this kind of philosophy to more people out there. I'm going to get into the main part of today's show today. Um, I want to share a, a pretty important book with you guys. And uh, so let's put some music on and let's get into it. A few years ago, there's a book that came out. I, I love to read it. It's, it's actually quite funny. I, um, <laughs> when you're a reader, you, you often don't, you forget that people don't read, um, and, and lots of people don't read, you know, and that's okay. Um, but I, I love to consume good content, and it's, I read. I read every night, uh, and I also listen to a lot of books. And uh, it was just quite funny because I was up in Auckland last weekend, and, um, and I often share the books that I read, and um, someone said to me, they, just, they gave me a hard time in a really funny way, a girl called George who I work with, and she was just giving me a hard time saying, James, have you read every book that's ever been out? And um, yeah, and, and I haven't, <laughs> but I do love to read. And um, and there's a book that came out a few years ago, which was a very powerful book um, around drugs in society. And it's really interesting when we think about drugs in society, how society deals with drugs. Uh, in particular, the people who struggle with drugs, and um, and it's really interesting when we th- I think of the discussion that I have with some family members who are of a certain age, you know, older generation, and um, they just see people who take drugs as criminals, basically, you know, these are bad people that need to be locked away. And this book was called Chasing the Scream, and Chasing the Scream was by an author called Johan Harry, and. Um, the book is basically around the whole idea of 
Why is it in society, uh, is drugs treated as a criminal problem, not a health problem? Like if you have a drug addiction, why is it that we treat you as a criminal and not as, you know, you have a health problem that we should be dealing with? And the book is brilliant. Like the guy is obviously an investigative journalist and he spends a lot of time in the book starting to under understand why that is the case he goes right back to like the i think even like the 20s and um because in the 20s in america at least at that time it was a health problem you know if you had a drug problem you go to the doctor and it's sorted out but then over time and through certain kind of influences and, and very um, powerful characters at time society started to shift the drug problem towards um it being a criminal problem. And the irony is that as it's become more and more of a criminal problem, the problem has become bigger. And this book then goes on to explore, well, why aren't we treating it as a health problem today? And um, it's a brilliant book. I highly recommend if you are interested in, in this topic, I highly recommend you get hold of it. It's called Chasing the Scream. I'll put a link to it in today's show notes. But it was just a really good book. And, you know, when you find someone who, who creates a good book, you know, whenever they bring out new work, you're always pretty fascinated to see what they do. And um, after reading Chasing the Scream, uh, I recently saw that Johan had brought out a book called Lost Connections. Lost Connection is called Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions. So Johan had obviously shifted his direction from the Propamera and Drugs into depression in society. And I'm actually aiming to get Johan on the show in the next few episodes. I think around March, late March, we're going to get him on. So I'm going to talk a lot about the book today. But fingers crossed I can get him on the show because I really want to dig deep. I'm going to, I'm going to do an overview of the book today, basically. But um, I want to get him on the show because obviously he's, he's the man who's going to really kind of dig deep into... Um, some of the topics we're going to talk about today but fingers crossed I can make that work it's kind of it's in the process it isn't locked in yet but fingers crossed I can make that work but um, it's one of these books like as as someone who's you know as my friend was George was giving me a hard time the other day that I've you know read every book ever which is far from true but as someone who does consume a lot of books occasionally you get a book and you think jeepers creepers everyone needs to read this one like if I'm going to champion a book this is one I need to champion, and um, and this is this is definitely that book. Um, I feel this is a very important book um, for lots of reasons, and uh, mainly because depression is a massive part of our society. And when we think about, I think some of the figures is something around about one in four people in Western society. And this probably isn't one hundred percent accurate. This fact that I'm saying here, but something like that is depressed. And um, or have come in and out of depression, and so this is this is a massive thing to think about. Like next time you go to work or next time you walk down the street, just think to yourself: one or four of these people have some struggle around depression. Now, that's quite massive. Just think about think about walking through the mall right now, and think about that. Now, if this is the case, this is a problem that we as a, as a community, as a society, as individuals. We, we really want to be trying to learn how to get better at it. And what Jonathan does in his book is he basically looks at um, lots of areas, really. What he really looks at is, is why is depression treated how it's treated now? And he does he does kind of, kind of resist against the way it is treated. And he shows you some very interesting kind of facts around this stuff. Um, 
And then it kind of looks at some of the causes, some of the causes for depressions and some of the ways we can overcome depression. And so what I thought today, and, and these are just chapter headings, but I've, I've listened to the majority of the book now, but um, these are some of the chapter headings and, I, and I'm just going to talk about chapter headings and maybe just kind of share some of my thoughts around it. And then hopefully when I get Johan on the podcast, we can go d- deeper into it. So let me just pull up my little notes here. So again, the first the first part of the book is around you know the crack in the old story. That's part one is called the crack in the old story, and it's very much around um, how we've treated depression. I'm not going really going to touch on that right now. But in the second part of the book, it's called disconnection: the nine causes of depression and anxiety. Um, and he, he basically talks about what they are, and then in this last part of the book, then it's kind of like, well, how do we do this, you know, how, what's the better way to do it, so I'm going to kind of just touch on the, the headings really, and I'm just going to share some thoughts from them, um, and then, you know, again, when I, if I fingers cross, I can get them on, we go deeper into it, so first of all, the cause number one is disconnection from meaningful work, and this is a really powerful thing to think about, isn't it, when we think about meaningful work, you know, it's interesting when we think about how much time we spend working in life. You know, the average work week is around 40 hours of work. And there's an impact that comes with work in either a good way or a bad way. Like, I feel very fortunate in my life that I feel my work's having an impact on my society, on my community. Um, I get a lot of affirmation from my work about work. So I've, there's a real kind of esteem that comes from my work. But what, what Johan's talking about here is when your work is not that, when it's actually where your work is pulling you away from what's really important to you. And, you know, as I talk about these things here, I'm going to kind of ask you the question a lot. You, you the listener, the person, you know, who's ever, wherever you are listening to this right now, is when you think about your career, do you have a meaningful career, an area where you're really passionate or just a sense that I'm contributing. You know, you might not have to be the most passionate person, but do you have a sense that you're contributing to something that means a lot to you? And this is a really interesting one. If you think through an interview that I did last time on the show when I had um, Richard Dennis on Affluenza, you know, that whole idea of, you know, when we think about work, why are we working? That whole idea of that, am I just trying to chase buying things? You know, but if, if... Sometimes in life when people have set up a bad life because they have debt and all those things that keep them trapped in a horrible job, what do you have to let go of to give yourself permission to have meaningful work? You know, it's really interesting. I I have a friend, actually my mate, my mate Sean at the point, we caught up this morning for breakfast, we kind of catch up every kind of couple months and have him have a kind of deep and meaningful breakfast and just dig deep in some really, and it's really valuable for both of us, I'm sure. Like I get a lot of, he had some value around my life and I'm sure I had some around his and we challenge each other and it's really cool, I love it. And um, I'm really proud of my mate Porno because he's this, he's this guy who probably seven or eight years ago was in a career that he's a very intelligent man, he's got a doctorate and like, you know, he's he's, he's, he's like super smart. And um and he had a career that from the outside everyone could say, oh, wow, look at him, he's, he's really successful. And he was successful. But there was this kind of fundamental understanding within him that he wasn't doing his life's work. 
And Sean is someone who's always really cared about the environment. He's really cared about kind of making the world a better place for now and for the future. And, and he loves this kind of idea of sustainability. You'd always hear him talk about sustainability. And over a period of time, he made some really big life choices. Um, quitting, quitting career that financially was probably, I don't, I don't know if he lost money in the process, but I'm pretty sure he probably took a big pay cut to make a lifestyle choice that allowed him to chase meaningful work. And um, he, he, you know, he made a, a series of really, which people would probably think were really hard decisions to get him to a place where he could do the meaningful work that he wanted to do in his life. And I was really cool in today's conversation because he was kind of starting to say that, you know, he wants to be an influencer in this, this area of sustainability. And, um, you know, because he's made choices and he's actually in a career now where he's in an organization that tries to influence people companies into being more sustainable in the way they run their business he's starting his world starting to see him as a leader and he's kind of saying that his job right now is to actually put his hand up and say i am the leader and i need to kind of put more work out there to to have bigger influence in this area and you can see when he talks about his career he's so passionate and he's got this vigor and energy and care and he's doing his meaningful work and he was someone who, you know, 10 years ago, you could probably say, well, my job's not terrible. But he's someone who's now doing really meaningful work. And if we think about if you are experiencing depression, if you look at your work, is it giving you that sense of that? And if it isn't, how do you allow yourself to make decisions to move away from the job that makes you feel that way? It's a really interesting thing to think about. Again, I'm going to I'm going to hit you hard a lot today. I'm going to ask you hard questions. And um, ideally, if you are in a place where you don't have meaningful work, well, then maybe it's time to be making ripples in the water that allow you to move towards a better place. Cause number two is dis- disconnection from other people, and I and I often talk about this on the show. But I'm going to I had a, another experience of this last weekend. So last weekend. I was in Auckland. I, uh, one of my one of my best friends for life is this lady called Mid. Mid is a phenomenal woman. She is um, phenomenal for so many reasons. Um, I, I just got, I could spend. I actually interviewed her on a show actually years ago on this podcast. Um, so she's just phenomenal. And she was telling me last year she kind of started to lose herself a little bit. Um, she manages. She like. Is manages a gym where she's got like 40 staff so she's got a very full-time job she was studying for a um, a master's in business so she's doing pretty much a full-time study role while she's doing a full-time job and then her and her husband started a business as well her husband is mainly doing the business but she you know he's not he's kind of the hands-on guy of the business and she's more of the business person so they started this business as well and she was just saying it just got too much and um, she started to lose herself. And there was always going to be a moment which where time would come back. So once, once study finished and so on. So she knew she should get through it. But it did come at a time that was this really hard place for her. And we, and we had this good conversation. And our conversations are always filled with a lot of laughter and um kind of <laughs> it's always a fun conversation. But we also will challenge each other as well. And uh, we had kind of having this conversation, then we, I think we went up to order a drink or something, or pay for our meals or something, and, and I just said to her, um, next time you're in that place, give me a call, 
And she said, oh, oh no, I actually said to her, why didn't you, because her, you know, she's the kind of person who I would call if I was struggling. And um, and in the past, you know, I've been there for her at times of need. And and I just said to her, why, why didn't you call me? And she goes, oh, I just didn't want to be a burden. And I was like, well, well why, would, why, would I, why would that be a burden? Like if I were to call you in that time, would would that be a burden to you? And she was like, oh, of course not. And I was like, well, next time, you know, give me that call. And it's really interesting, one of the things, and I've talked about this show on the show a lot, but one of the things that I've learned in trying to mentor other people is that most people, when they struggle, is they disconnect from other people. And in Johan's book, he talks about how disconnecting from other people, and it's really interesting, he talks about how the difference between being around people and being lonely. And from my recollection, what he talks about is that we can be around other people, but when we are lonely, we don't actually feel we're connected to other people in a sense of where we have a purpose together. That there is something that's drawing us together. And so you might have lots of people in your life, but you're actually quite lonely. And really, when we have really good relationships, it's there's a sense of that we have something together that means something more than. And so there's two things. A, that if you know you're in a place where you're struggling, disconnecting yourself from the world is not the answer. It really isn't. If anything, it's having the courage to put your hand up and look for help. But then also to build a life where you are having meaningful relationships, ones where there is this sense of we have something together. And then not letting them disconnect. It was another conversation. I'm, I'm, again, I'm just I'm just thinking today, so I'm just throwing this away at you. But I had a, 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 a young guy I mentored in, in my fitness career a few years ago, and we catch up every so often. I saw him on the weekend, and he was just talking about how he went through this moment where he realised um, his career was taking over his friendships, and he was just saying, "I'd get home, and I'd, my mates would give me a text, do you want to come out?'" And he's, "Ah, oh, too tired." And he realized it was actually starting to cost him because he was starting to get a little bit lonely. And he was saying, I, I realize now that actually I've got to put that thing more ahead of my life. So if you know you do those types of things, well, reconnect to your social prescription is, is kind of how Johan says it. Prescribe um, social in your life. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, next, next one is disconnection from meaningful values. And this is one I always understand. You know, you see somebody who moves away from who they really are. And you see someone who's that, that loss of self. You know, like if, if you, well, some people don't even know who they are. But if you could define um, who you really are, when you're in a really healthy place, I imagine you're really aligned to that. And then when you're not, I imagine there's that real sense of loss and meaningful values is, you know, that, that's your, you're disconnecting from those. And so really what you want to be doing is making sure you're making decisions in your life that are about um, reconnecting to meet the meaningful values that are important to you. You know, that's, that's a really important thing to think about. And again, as I go back to earlier, what pulls you away from making those choices but really, you should be in your life. Your job is to, to defend your ability. You know, I've often talked about your true north. Your true north is that sense of my my compass is always pointing towards what's important to me. And I can guarantee in your life that if you're pulled away from your true north, that's when you feel you don't know who you are. It's when you feel lost. So you want to reconnect to your meaningful values. 
So that's cause number three. Cause number four is disconnecting from childhood trauma. I'm not going to go too much into this one because I think when I get him on, I'll go into this one. But it's another one of the areas that he, he really identifies. And if you know you've had a lot of childhood trauma, um, again, I'm gonna, well, I, I think everyone should read this book. But go and read this book because there's a lot more in the book. than I, It's just an area that's a little bit, it's probably not my area that I, need to, I can talk about. Some of these areas I feel I can contribute, but this is probably one of the ones that I'm not so strong in. So um, get the book and read it. It's chapter nine in the book. Cause number five, disconnection from status and respect. And this is one I can share a little bit about right now, actually. Um, yeah, it's, it's something I've been kind of going through in my life recently is that one of the things that as I get to the end of my fitness career, one of the things I've maybe struggled a little bit with is this sense of maybe I'll lose some of the status I have in my community because of I'm not doing a role that had given me status and respect in the past. And I have to be really honest. I, I have to be um, really honest. I'm... That's something that I've had to work through in this last moment of my life. And that's what he kind of talks about there is that you disconnect from the respect and status from your world and in a way that's really not powerful for you. And, um, you know, for my own struggle, it's it's kind of a little bit about reinforcing who I am. But, but also accepting that this is happening. But not realizing that I'm not losing anything, that, that my fundamental thing of wanting to help my world and help people grow through movement and all those types of things may shift. Like I may not have the same role as in, in the group fitness world, but it doesn't mean that my work needs to shift. You know, that I can still have, you know, still be able to do the thing that's important to me. I'm not actually losing anything. It's just the way I'm doing it is shifting. And that's a really important thing for me to think about because it's actually really helped me. And it's been really interesting, actually, because when I think about my fear of loss of status, it it became, it was really interesting thinking about how that drove certain motivations in my life so my fear of loss of status did make me think about I need to earn more money because you know like if I need to have more money to make sure I can maintain this place in the world which is really bizarre isn't it when you think about it and one of the things I've in this moment of accepting the change but also realizing that I'm not losing a status that actually I can still do the work that I want to do in my career that that fear of the money thing has disappeared. And it's really interesting to see how that opened you up. Because, for example, I've got my product, my 5K Dream, which is my online product. And um, and I sell it for around $200, $197, if I want to be precise. Um, and, and I think it's a product that's really worth it. I, I put, hey, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on it. I spent months and months to working on it. And, and more importantly, I the people who who buy it end up running 5Ks, and that's always my measure. Does it achieve the result? And um, and I do want to make money from it. Don't get me wrong. I, I do. I did do it as a business, and it was something that I wanted to make money from. Um, but because now I'm not so driven, because I'm letting go of that fear of status and respect of losing it at least, I'm starting to think about the business model around this. Like I still want to. I still feel it's a product that can be charged that people should pay. You know, if you can afford it, you can pay two hundred dollars for. But one of the things I'm thinking about also offering is saying, look, if you can't afford two hundred bucks, just give me what you think is fair for your life. Because when I reflect back, I say my job 
if my, my mission is to get people moving and my mission is to um, really uh, help people, you know, that's my job in life is to help people moving. If some people can't afford 200 bucks, is that a good enough reason to not help them move? Now, in my everyday business, I can't do that because in my everyday business, I've got a staff and all the rest of it. But with this product, I can. And it's like, well, I can have a bigger impact on the world if I allow myself to do that. Now, if I, if I, discon- if I was so fearful of losing status and respect, do you think I could have made that choice? And as I think about, you know, as I move forward in the next step with my 5K dream, I'm going to offer this because I want to be able to, you know, I want people to achieve the goal of running 5K. And by trusting in my ability to maintain, or not that I'm going to lose it, I can make, I'm actually making better choices. So, um, so to reconnect with what's really important to you is, is probably an important thing to rethink. And, and also just accept that you don't, you won't have to lose respect and status. So that's that cause there. And by the way, just for my 5K dream, not that I'm trying to do this for a plug, I'm going to be doing a webinar in a few weeks. Now I'll let you know, I'll do it after the next episode, but I'll let you know about that after the next episode because I'm going to do a, a, a webinar on um, about my 5K dream and I'd love for you to come along and check it out so you can do that if you're interested in doing it. Um, cause number six is disconnection from the natural world and uh, it's really interesting some of the research he talks about in the book around if you look at depression and you look at being in nature it's amazing how much of a remedy being in nature is for depression and he goes a lot into you know when you think about the fact of how many millions of years I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how long how old humanity is but how old we are we're so conditioned to be in nature and um and you know and then we look at the worlds we live in today where often we aren't in nature at all and he's just saying you know like are you spending time outside you know it's again you've heard me talk on the show i love running in nature with music you know it's it's an emotional state that i find so powerful and it was funny actually i was speaking to another guy on the weekend a guy called giles who's another group fitness instructor and he has the hobby of of a photographer and he was he was saying he does these he goes out you know in the middle of nowhere and he does long shutter speed shots i'm i'm i don't bugger all about photography but it's you know where you basically put your camera somewhere you open the shutter and you might leave it there for two hours and then it creates something that's pretty amazing. And um, we were just talking about that kind of that moment in life. He was just saying how often he'll go to these places which maybe on the weekend are really busy, but when he's there, he's got it all to himself. And we're just talking about how when you're in nature and you have that moment, he might be just lying down in some beautiful sunset and with his shutter speed open and you have that moment and you just go to yourself, I'm doing life right. It's a real reaffirming moment that I'm doing something right. And Giles and I were just talking about that. I was just talking about when I'm running in the hills and I look over the city and I think, man, I'm, I'm doing something right. And nature does that to you. you know, I think about it, last time you went on some kind of tricky walk or you went for a run somewhere or, you know, just sometime you were just at one with nature. There's something about it that's really healthy for you. And if you're not having that in your life, like, again, think about yourself, right now, how often are you doing that? Are you doing it enough? And it's something really important to think about. Cause number seven. Cause number seven was a disconnection from a hopeful or secure future. And uh, this is is, um, a really important one as well. And and this chapter here is really interesting actually because he talks about a a friend of his who had a job which was very much um, 
it kind of was very insecure. It was like a call center job. And at the call center, they basically said to you, look, next week's timetable is based on how well you do this week. And so there's this real sense of, I don't know what's happening next week in life. And so the sense of hope and secure future really disappeared. And this is the one that really happens for people who are small business owners. You know, one of the one of the benefits of being a small business owner or a business owner is that if you do well, you get the rewards. You know, if you, if you do a small business, you and it does well, good on you, you get the rewards. Um but the rewards are never really that consistent. You know, if you're a small business owner, um it can be really it can be a roller coaster ride of ups and downs. Now, if you're successful, that's really cool, but a lot of people it's not always successful all the time. And for those who have that kind of lifestyle, that's something that's can be a really challenging thing because you never really know where tomorrow's coming. And so this whole idea of a disconnection from a hopeful or secure future is something that can be really hard based on certain positions you are in life. And really what we want to be doing is trying to set up a life where we have a sense of restoring our future. You know, and one of the ways that my wife and I have always tried to do that is because we are small business owners and and we've got a good little business, but, you know, definitely there's moments where you go, oh my God, what's going to happen here? And it can be really scary. Um, And one thing we've tried to do is... um, be really good financially so you know like we try to we kind of have this a certain point of money that we go if we get to there then we know we're right in the future but more importantly and this is one thing that we're kind of getting to right now is just to go you know what we're going to be right no matter what reinstoring the faith in our future is actually a really important thing that you know what, we're going to be right, we're going to be fine, and it allows us to remove that stress. So if you're someone who maybe has an insecure future, or it's lacking a bit of hope, what's the work that you need to do to allow yourself to have a sense of, I'm going to be okay? Partly it will be some skill-based thing, it might be having good financial habits, partly it will be a perspective, you know, for me it's just that little bit of, you know what, uh, my character traits, who I am, you know, the the world in general, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And that's a really important thing to think about. Lastly, um, number eight and nine, and I'm not quite sure why it's eight and nine, but is the real role of genes and brain changes. Again, I'm not going to go too much into this one. Um, read the book. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. And when I get Johan on, we'll talk to him about this one as well, because he's one of the things he talks about when he kind of in the first part of the book, which is uh, the crack in the old story, is how the the kind of chemical imbalance story that's told is either not really true or way out of balance, and really um, the way it's been treated is is probably not the most effective method, and so in saying that, then. In this chapter there, we kind of says, well, okay, well, what role is genes and the brain really play in depression? And then how can we shift those things? Like in the book, one of the things he talks about is like, if you go to the doctor, and I think this is an American one, but if you go to the doctor and, you know, they have, I think it's like a nine checklist of things that, you know, that if you have these, there's a chance you've got depression. And I think that if you get over six of them, you kind of, diagnosed as clinically depressed but one of the things he talks about is if, you, if let's say you've lost a baby you know you had a horrible life event where you've lost a baby you know and you go to the doctor and 
you're probably going to get nine out of nine of those things. Now, are you depressed or are you grieving? And the the medical board at the time when someone brought this up, they thought, well, what, why, 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 why don't we say, okay, well, you know, of these nine things, if you're grieving, we're not going to count it. We're going to say it's a grieving problem when it's deal with grieving, not depression. And then they came back and said, well, what happens when you break up from like a big relationship? Let's say you've broken up from your husband who you've been married for 20 years. Now, are you depressed or are you just sad? You know, is it, is it just more dealing with the breakup and again they couldn't really figure out how to fit that in so in the end they just went back to saying well we're just going to use these nine things so lots of people are getting clinically you know being diagnosed as depressed when maybe they're just having something life and hard they have to deal with and in chapter eight and nine the real role of genes and brains he talks about well what are the real role of these within depression and then how can we influence them and then he goes um, into reconnection, and this is reconnecting to other people, social prescription, meaningful work, meaningful values, sympathetic joy, and overcoming addiction to the self. Uh, it's interesting, the, the interview I did last time on with Richard Dennis around affluenza definitely came into this bit there. Overcoming and, and acknowledging childhood trauma, and restoring the future. So that's very much my thoughts on this book. Again, the book is called Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression. Wait a second, I've got to pull this up here. The Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions. I think everyone could get value in reading this book. Like, I don't experience depression myself. I have had moments of it in the in my past, but um, it's, as I said, one in four. Next time you're at the mall, have a look. And if you're someone who is in depression... Um, I really highly recommend you get this book. It's it's a really important book, and it's a book that I'm going to champion really hard. I've been telling everybody about it, and hopefully I get your hand on over the next few weeks. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes for this show, and uh, you go go get it. You know, it'd be the best twenty bucks or whatever it is. It's only hardcover sixteen, and the Kindle is only about six bucks. It'd be the best six bucks you spend this year. Um, and 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 again, it's really important because. Even those who aren't depressed, even me, it just reinforces what I need to do well in my life. It's not to avoid depression, but these things all make sense about being a healthy person. So check it out. Lost Connections by Johan Harry. Um, if you do that, because I always finish this part of the show with this bit, you will be a better version of yourself. Rightio team, that's pretty much today's show done and dusted again. Get the book, <laughs> read it. It's a, you can get it as an audio book as well. You obviously love listening to podcasts, so you can get it as an audio book. Um, yeah, seriously. Do the work as well. You know, do the work. It's a really important thing. I do have one exciting thing to tell you, actually. My, my, well, two things, actually. Well, first of all, my, my publisher, unfortunately, stuffed up and took all their books off the Kindle store and, um, not quite sure why they did that. They accidentally did it. And in doing it, um, all my reviews of my book disappeared from the Kindle store. So um, I would love it if you read my book, The Fitness Attitude, How to Change Your Behavior and Learn to Keep Loving Fitness. Um, I'd love it if you did read the book, if you could go on there and put a review up. Particularly if you did it, though, at that time I think I had all five-star reviews. So it'd be really cool if I get all my five-star reviews back. So if you did read my book and you still listen to the show, um, if you could just give me five minutes of your time and go and put a review back up on the Kindle store. What I'll do is I'll put a link to 
the book on um, on my website, Biffin James Isles. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for today's show. So you can go there and just do it there. And just, you know, if you enjoyed the book, put what you thought about up there. But the other thing as well is I find it, because my, my publisher are a little bit afraid of the Kindle. They're a bit of a, they're a great publisher. They've been awesome actually. But one of the things was, is they were a little bit afraid of the Kindle. And so they kind of priced it at a point, which I felt was, a little bit high maybe and Kindle books tend to be a little bit low now charging like $20 but I got them to bring it down and I think currently it's around it depends where you are in the world but it's about $5 US I think it's about $5.71 in New Zealand right now now somewhere around that so you can basically get my book now for around five bucks so um, if you do want to get my book The Fitness Attitude uh, How to Change Your Behaviour and Learn to Love Keep oh, Love, learn, wait a second, how to change your behavior and learn to love keeping fit. She's going to read my own book title. <laughs> uh, so if you if you want to get my book, you can, I'll put a link to it again in the show notes. And um, yeah, and you know, go check it out. I'm really proud of my book. I think there's some really good stuff in there. If you like this show, you'll like what I'm doing there. So A, either get the book, and again, it's in the show notes. And B, what you can do is, if you could please put a review up on Amazon, it'll really make a big difference to um, you know other people who see the book. Because you know, we do look at reviews. So that'd be really great if you could do that. Other than that, that's pretty much the show done and dusted. I'll hopefully get Johan on over the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, but I'll see you guys in a few weeks' time. And thank you for your time. And have a super couple weeks.